This is Wordfall, with historical novelist Rosanna M. White, offering our words to the Lord at the crossroads of faith, family, and fiction. Trials and Temptations. This is another musing from a Bible study I did on the book of James. This particular week, we ended up in a discussion on temptation. So let's note up front that the root of the word temptation is tempt. And let's also look at the word attempt, like, you know, try. The root of that word, same thing, tempt. So already we have a link between tempting and trying. And the dual meanings of try, first, that it can be trying to do something, or when something tries or vexes you, uh, those are both in the original Greek, which is kind of amazing. So there are a few things in the verses we studied that jumped out at me. First is that trials, troubles, and tribulations are not themselves any indicator of sin, but they often lead to it. Why? Because when things are going well, it's easy to keep our focus, sometimes, where it needs to be. A healthy marriage doesn't often lead one to an affair. When there's nothing to get mad about, we don't usually fly off the handle and hurt somebody. When we're not sick or injured, we're not so inclined to drown ourselves in self-pity and curse God, as Job's wife told him to do. But when the bad things come, that's when that invisible finger curls, beckoning us, telling us to come this way. It'll be easier. It'll be satisfying. It'll give us what we lack. Sometimes it even promises us that the noble thing we have so long striven for can be had, but in a way that goes against what God instructed. The noble thing, though, pursued in the wrong way, can be our undoing. You can be like God if you just eat this fruit. Have you ever paused to think how clever an enticement that really was? Satan wasn't promising them riches. He didn't promise them fleshly pleasure. How could he? Adam and Eve already had a perfect life. The one thing they wanted was to be ever more like the father who walked with them. So that was the only temptation the adversary could use. You can be like God, just like him. A good thing. But to do so, they would have to disobey. So he twisted the words and made them question their very understanding. Are you sure he said that? Just like that? Oh, I don't think so. You'll understand as soon as you eat. But here's the other thing that struck me. When we think of temptations, we think of something external, like that beckoning finger. We are tempted by something, or by someone, by some force. And sometimes, yeah, that's true. It's an outside person or being luring us. But in James, it says we are led by our own desires into temptation. Not always by Satan, not always by other people, by ourselves, because we want the fleshly thing. We want the donut or the alcohol or the sex, all things that are fine and good in the right time in moderation. So why not more? There are a lot of translations that actually put the word evil into that verse, saying we're led astray by our own evil desires. But for the record, that word is not in the original Greek. The Greek word just means natural desires, like the desire for food or drink or warmth or comfort, for love, for arms around us, natural things, not bad in and of themselves, but they can lead us towards sin when we put those desires above our desire for God. 
when we let those desires rule us instead of the other way around. This is why denying ourselves is a pretty big theme in the Bible, because we need to get those urges under control. We need not to be enslaved by them, because if we have to have them and struggle with it when all is well, what's going to happen when the trials come? Well, they're going to test us, that's what. Tempt us. Is it God? Well, James says God doesn't tempt. But sometimes he does test. He doesn't lead us to the temptation, but he does allow the trial. Why? This is another lovely realization that came to me during this Bible study. Because we need to know we're stronger. God already knows that. The trials are not for his benefit. But seriously, how do you know how strong your faith is until you have to use it? How do you know how much you love him until you see that love under threat? Here's an example. When my daughter, Zoe, was about 11 months old, she was cruising but not walking on her own yet. Um, So her usual way was to go around the living room grabbing pieces of furniture. We've all seen kids do that, right? So we had a pedestal end table, and she had grabbed hold of it. I was across the room on the couch, and I saw it happen. Her hand slipped. Her knees buckled. I knew she was going down. But before I could get there, she'd already fallen, hitting her head on the table edge on the way down. She was 11 months old, and this was her first bloody injury. It wasn't that bad. A band-aid made it all well again, no need for stitches or anything. But it was the first time I had seen my baby bleed. It was the first time she'd been in any real pain. It made me sick, literally physically sick. I was dizzy. I had to hand her to my husband and sink down to the floor until my head and stomach would right themselves. And I have never gotten weird at the sight of blood. That was actually the first and only time in my life it has happened. Because it was different. It was hers. Now, I had known I adored my little girl. I loved her to pieces. But not until that moment did it become perfectly clear to me how much. The pain, terrible as it was, acted like a lens. With our second child, Rowan, the lens came at birth. He couldn't catch a full breath and had to spend his first two days under an oxygen hood. Newborn, and my baby had a problem. My heart hurt beyond what I thought it could, and my love just poured from me. No one wants trials. No one wants to be tempted. But it's through these tests that we understand how much stronger God is than our weaknesses. How the longing for him can outdo the longing for anything else. And then I look at the world around me, and I have to wonder, because temptation has become a sexy word, an alluring word, not a word of warning, but a word of enticement. Come, be tempted, give in, the world says. Hearing that call isn't a sin. Feeling the longing is only natural. But giving into it, deciding to give into it, that's where the danger lies. But it's not going to give you what you hope it will. It won't. Don't be deceived, James warns in the next verse. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. God, not the world. The world can make you happy for a while, but it can't make you joyful. It can meet the needs of your flesh, but not the needs of your soul. That's why God is always there, always waiting. He always has his hand outstretched, so that when those trials come, 
When we feel the temptation, we can turn to him instead. And we can know that he already gave up so much for us. He already paid the price that sin would exact. He already defeated the temptation. We just have to remember that. Check out rosannamwhite.com for information about me or my books and to subscribe to my newsletter. This episode of Wordfall is brought to you by the Tea Party Book Club. Books, tea, great conversation, all from the convenience of your own home. To see what this month's book is and to reserve a seat, go to rosannamwhite.com and click the Tea Party Book Club tab or follow the link in the show notes. Wordfall is a proud part of the White Fire Podcast Network. Please visit whitefire.tv slash podcast for other shows I know you'll love.